Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm. In the order it was received, please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible Podcast. I'm your host, Will DeWitt, and I'm very excited that you are here with us, as it should be a great, what I'm calling a doubleheader show, as we're going to share our initial thoughts on the Chicago Bears 2019 schedule and also share our official mock draft. So definitely buckle up. Join with me today are my two trusty co-hosts, Nicholas Moriano and Brandon Hazlett. Fellas, I hope that you are doing well this evening, and it's great to see you both. Nick, it feels like our listeners, and myself included, really haven't been able to hear from you in what feels like forever, but you're back. You're a new member at Bears Fit. How is that going for you? Oh, it's amazing. Um, It's just a fantastic gym. Nobody's there, but everything in the gym has a Bears logo somewhere on it, and they have this artificial field where you can do a lot of, like, uh, CrossFit work and sled work, but it's just a really cool gym to be a part of. And on my first day, I told you guys in the group chat, Giant Knox is just there walking around. I'm like, should I challenge him to a race? Thank goodness I didn't. That would have been complete embarrassment, but it's been great so far. I'm going to go there tomorrow. Who knows who will be there? Who knows? You never, I mean, that's exciting for you. I'm glad that you have the opportunity to hang out at Bears Fit. I know we're talking right before we went live that maybe you might work for something on the website to kind of display that in some way or another, and I know I'm looking forward to that. Now I've said in the podcast that so you have to do it, kind of twisting your arm here a little bit to get that done. Brandon, how about you? Are you doing anything exciting as Nick joining Bears Fit over the last few weeks? Unfortunately not, but if the Bears want to put an extension gym out here in Northwest Indiana, it might make some people more motivated to go to the gym because I'm kind of jealous that I can't, you know, go there and, and use it. 
because I think that'd be an extra motivation. I'm not as much of a, a gym nunk, a gym. Uh, I don't know. You're a region rat. You could be a gym rat. Well, not I could a gym be. rat. I guess that's where I was looking for a gym rat as much as, as Nick is. But I think that having a, a team themed gym would be some extra added incentive to go. Absolutely. I wish I can go just for a tour. Nick, you said that the tour is pretty cool. I'm excited. I think next time I go up to visit you, I'm going to have to give it a look because, I mean, the gym's huge. Right now I'm doing one. I'm not going to name it because they're not a sponsor of the show, but it's a national <laughs> brand. They're open 24-7. I can go there anytime. Um, but it's very yeah. tiny here in Bloomington. It I it stinks. And it just bears that looked <laughs> awesome. So I need to check that out. I'm not driving six hours to go work out at a gym. <laughs> but I do need to give that a look whenever I get the chance. But, guys, we have a lot to get into. So I just want to kind of get right to it and let's begin our show by dissecting the bears 2019 schedule and before we dive into like all the minutiae of the entire thing i just want to get an overhead view uh when it dropped last night or trickled out throughout all the leaks throughout the day uh did you guys have any just like initial thoughts on the schedule obviously the big one's going to be all of the later games compared to all the noon kickoffs that we've been used to in years past only seven of the 16 games are kicking off at noon and for me living in the indianapolis was Colts region where I always had to buy like Sunday ticket to watch these games to do our podcast. I only have two conflicting. It's week 10, week 17, and who knows, one of those could be flexed as well. So I'm feeling pretty good. That was one of my initial takeaways is those later games. But how about you, B? Anything that kind of caught your fancy? Yeah, I was listening to, uh, I think it was the Pick 6 podcast this morning because uh, they were talking about the schedule and how it's released and stuff. And they said, you know, you can, as long as you can look back at history and realize where your team's at with everything, like the Bears have a first place schedule, but we only get two teams that played first place, not in one of the other two divisions that we play throughout the year. So that really kind of put things into perspective for me because people sometimes make a big deal out of, you know, you finish first place in division, so you get a tougher schedule, but that's not really the case. It's just in two extra added games. But uh, like you, I'm very uh, pleased with the amount of national coverage we're going to get with these later games. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a lot of late nights for us is another thing that I took away from it with all these post-game shows. But how about you, Nick? Yeah, so I actually just looked at the schedule maybe 40 minutes ago, just with grad school and everything going on. I just didn't have time to look at it. But that was the big thing. All the primetime games and all the later games. I'm like, where are the noon games? Your heart health is the foundation of your body's performance. So if you want to stay at your peak, your heart has to do the same. Cocovia delivers the level of cocoflavanols clinically proven to increase circulation, promoting healthy blood pressure and a strong heart. Boost your cardiovascular health and stay peak with Cocovia at Cocovia. Cocovia.com. That's C-O-C-O-A-V-I-A.com. And now during Heart Health Month, save 20% with coupon code CVHEART20. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. That's what we're used to as Bears fans seeing. Here's the noon kickoff. This is where the Bears are going to play at. That's not the case. I, mean, I think what I counted was there's six noon games, one being the London game, which uh, coming in week five against the Raiders. But that was very surprising. I guess it's not surprising, but it's just different as being a Bears fan, seeing these five primetime games and all these later kickoffs, it's a nice, it's a, cha- it's a nice change of uh, pace, nice change of scenery, because that means your team is finally getting recognition to be put on display for everybody to see. 
And that's what the Bears are doing right now after making their first playoff appearance last year. So that was a big takeaway for me after just looking at the schedule about 40 minutes ago. I think it's seven noon games. We'll, we're going to go quarter by okay. quarter. So we can count. We can double check. We can verify this. But, Nick, you talked about it. You're getting more national recognition. You're more. You're going to be playing in more of those prime spots. Any extra pressure on these players, or do you think you're going to be able to? I don't want to say handle it because I don't know about the extra pressure, but I'm just curious your thought. Do you think there's going to be a little bit? I think yeah, of course there's going to be extra pressure playing under the lights. Everyone's watching, but that's what players live for. That's what coaches live for. They want to be in that moment, winning those games because again, that just shows how good of a team you really are. So I think that. You know, having those those primetime games is extra motivation, you know, like putting a gym out in in Indiana with the, with the Bears logo on it. That that's motivation. But this is motivation for the Bears as well to just go out there, showcase their abilities and prove they are one of the best teams in the NFL. One other takeaway I had is the last eight games of the season has a really uh, consistent flow to it. It goes home away, home away, home away, home away. I don't think I've ever seen that in a schedule, how it does that back and forth just for eight straight weeks. So they'll have a good routine, they'll have a good schedule, and I think that's going to be beneficial down the road. They know one week at home, one week away. And by the time you get to December, you're going to have a good pattern down, a good way to kind of compensate for that. Not too many long, lengthy, you know, back-to-back West Coast road game trips or anything like that. So for the Bears to have that home away kind of end of the season or second half of the season, I think that's beneficial. It's, it's going to give them a routine, some consistency, and anytime you can find consistency in the schedule by any means, it's going to definitely benefit the team. All right, like I said, though, I do want to talk about this uh, by quarter by quarter because that's what we do every year. We break the season into four quarters. kind of goes all the way back to paying a little homage to Levy Smith and how he used to kind of have that mantra, that mindset throughout his tenure here in Chicago. So looking at the first quarter of the season, week one, of course, we've known this for some time now. It's versus Green Bay at home underneath the lights on Thursday night football to kick off the NFL season. Week two, it's going to be at Denver uh, versus the Broncos at 325. Week three at the Redskins, Monday Night Football, so back-to-back away games there. And then we wrap it up week four with another divisional games uh, versus the Vikings at 325. So two divisional games and two away games to start off the first quarter of the season. Brandon, do you have any storylines that you're keeping on? I know it's a little early right now in the off season, but at least with week one and week two, I can think of a couple pretty big storylines to kind of keep uh, keep tabs on. Yeah, I can. Uh, I guess I could touch on those. I'll touch on week two with Vic Fangio coaching the Denver Broncos now, and I think that'll be a, an interesting game to see how quickly the team adjusts to Vic, uh, how quickly Vic adjusts to being a head coach. Uh, I think that the Bears would have an advantage in this one because Vic's fairly new at this position and his team's still trying to adapt to him. I think it's going to be one of those uh, early kink work things out games for the Broncos, especially for the first quarter for them. Uh, but just looking at the first quarter as a whole, I think this is a very, very important uh, quarter as far as the whole season goes because if we can win these early games like I think if they go three and one here uh, then I think things are really shaping up to have a really good year because that's really going to set the tone for the rest of the year so if, especially if you beat the Packers uh, week one uh, and then go out to Denver beat them there I think that sets a really good tone absolutely uh, Nick Brandon just talk about uh, the Vic Fangio game who do you think mm-hmm. has the advantage is it going to be Fangio knowing Matt Nagy Nagy knowing Fangio is are they going to kind of cancel one another out there so there's no advantage one way or another well I'm curious well here's the thing Denver the Broncos are just really good within the first two weeks of the season I'm going to give you a crazy stat 
Um, according to Optimum Scouting, since the NFL merger, the Broncos are 51-8-2 at home during the first two weeks of the season. Wow. They're 21-1 since opening their new stadium in 2001, Mile High Stadium. So they are just impressive it, within the first two weeks. I don't know why that is. It's I mean, I mean most teams are kind of – look, it's, it's a new season. They're just starting, right? But they are just have been impressive at home within the first two weeks. But here's the thing. I'll give this to the Bears, and because history is saying this, that, that doesn't mean the Bears can't win. The Broncos now have Joe Flacco as quarterback. He's a dink and dunk master. That's not going to work against the Bears defense. I'll say that right now. Also, the Bears are going to have a little bit more time to adjust having played that Thursday game against the Packers. Maybe are they allowed to maybe travel a little earlier? Because the big thing with Denver is adjusting to the altitude. I think that gets a lot of teams, especially early on in the season. You're just starting. You're getting to training camp. You haven't been hitting all that often. But now here, now you got to go to Denver and play in this high altitude. Can maybe the Bears travel a little bit sooner? I don't know if that's allowed or if, if it is, then the Bears should definitely do it. But the Broncos are a tough team to beat at home within the first two weeks. But I don't know if that's going to play a factor in this one just because of the things I just talked about. But that is something to definitely keep your eye on when that week two matchup, even though it's, it's Vic Fangio, uh, Matt Nagy going at it, that's going to be a good one for sure. But they definitely have the advantage at home. Yeah, it does sound like it. What? Uh, absolutely. The good news is a lot of these players in the Bears uh, did practice there last year. You went there, Nick. So they will yep. have experience of learning how to adjust to it, even though obviously it's a physical thing. It just kind of takes time. Uh, so, yeah, curiously, like you said, maybe they can travel there a little early, get used to it. But looking at Green Bay week one, a couple of storylines, at least on my mind right now, of course, Adrian Amos, uh, a little bit of revenge against him or just how that's going to kind of play out. And then speaking of revenge, how we started last season on Sunday Night Football with that second-half collapse against Green Bay uh, kind of coming full circle. And I've talked about this a few weeks ago with you guys on the podcast. Beating Green Bay week one kind of shows that we came full circle. We can now close games, those sorts of things. So that's what I'm looking for, for the Bears to kind of complete the cycle there, beat Green Bay, finish the job. And if they can do that, like Brandon said as well, starting the season with a win or even a couple or four, just saying, there's a great way to kind of build momentum heading into, uh, obviously, it's a tough schedule all the way around, no matter which way you slice it, but getting momentum early, getting confidence early is going to go a long way. Do you guys have any final thoughts on quarter one? Or are you ready to move on to the second quarter of the season? You know, I was a little surprised that, I guess, the Redskins on Monday night just seeing the schedule for the first time. Yeah, you have to put a a team there to play against the Bears. The Bears are why they're on Monday night or, you know, these primetime games. But the Redskins, um, other than that Broncos game, I'm looking at that as possibly three to four wins, you know, just start the season hot. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that goes, though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You talked, you took the words out of my mouth. I was kind of just overlooking it. I was like, I'm not going to complain about a Monday night football game. The opponent's a little questionable. I, I didn't look at the Redskins. That may be one of their few primetime games of the year. So maybe they're just trying to get it out of the way in that early part of the season so they can have the bigger ones as the NFL kind of rolls through all 17 weeks here. But moving on to quarter number two, week five, a big one, going all the way to London to play the Raiders. That's going to be at noon, which is to me is a good thing because it doesn't have to be like one of those 9.30, 8 a.m. kind of kickoffs that you have we've seen in the past when teams go over to London. The Bears do follow that up with the bye. Uh, we can talk about the benefits of that in a moment as well. And then they have three very tough games after that. Week 7 versus the Saints at 325. Week 8 versus the Chargers at noon. And then Week 9 at Philadelphia versus the Eagles. The revenge, what I'm calling this game already, the revenge on the birds. 
Uh, that's noon. <laughs> that's going to be a noon kickoff, guys. So looking at quarter two, Nick, I want to go to you first for the storylines. I kind of hit on a few uh, by at least a preview to a couple, but I'm curious which ones are the ones that you're most interested in. Yeah, I, I have to go with that London game because that's a game that uh, I've been circling on, you know, just as a spare schedule for a while now, just didn't know where it was going to place at. So that, that week five matchup against the Raiders, I really want to go to that game. That's a game that I would love to go to. Um, just seeing the Bears play overseas and obviously the Mac kind of revenge game against the Raiders. Let's see how he turns it up for this game. But that's one that I'm really looking at as uh, being just a unique game to be in. Again, the Bears, we just talked about it. They have this now um, reputation of the league as being a good team now. Well, look, now you get to go play overseas to kind of showcase the NFL, what the NFL is about and being one of the representatives. Not so much the Raiders, even though they are a new team kind of coming up and building up. But that's a cool um, just advantage for the Bears just to be in a new, obviously, new country, just displaying what they're all about. Yeah, no, that's going to be a fun game, uh, obviously, uh, like you mentioned, for all the reasons. And I believe that the Bear, the NFL giving the Bears the bye um, after they travel all the way to London is huge because that's a it's a big distance to travel, the time adjustments, going back and forth, and for them not to have to follow up immediately with a game the next week, to me, is a benefit. Uh, obviously, you do want your bye, in theory, a little bit more in the middle mm-hmm. of the season instead of week six, but still... Getting it right after London, to me, is going to be a plus. B, how about you? Looking at... Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TemperPedic.com. These games, what storylines are in your mind? Well, I'll touch on the, the London game real quick, too, but I got some other things I want to touch on as well. But the NFL didn't do Oakland any favors with their schedule. I uh, was listening to the Pick 6 podcast this morning that I talked about earlier, and that was one of the first things I touched on was the Raiders, I think they play like the first two games of the year at home, and then they don't have another home game until like around Thanksgiving time. So we're going to get them at a really opportune time because Oakland is much farther from London than Chicago is. So on top of a travel week before that, and then a travel week after that, Oakland's going to be in all sorts of disarray. So I think that that, I don't want to say it's going to be an easy win, uh, but just kind of looking at it on paper, when you compare the two schedules next to each other, it really favors in the bears uh, in that regard. And then the buy, like you said, well, it comes at a really good time because then we were home uh, to one of the first place teams that make it a first place schedule, the saints, and thankfully that one's home. I think if we were in the the Superdome down there in New Orleans, it might be a different story. But I think uh, the Bears can hang in there with the Saints at home and then home to the Chargers as well, another first-place team. But they're with the AFC West, who we play a lot of, or we play that division this year as well. Uh, so two very important home games because the Bears played very well at home last year against two top-tier opponents with the Saints and the Chargers, I think are very good storylines to pay attention to after the bye week. Oh, absolutely. The Saints, obviously, were a top 10 offense in all, most categories. Their defense, compared to even a couple seasons ago, is trending upward, so you expect them to take another step. And then the Chargers. I know, Brandon, weren't they your Super Bowl pick like en- entering the season last year? Yes, they were. Yes, I thought I remembered that correctly. And they finished yes. like, all across the board, a really strong defense, a very potent offense. Those are going to really challenge the Bears in all three phases. And uh, those back-to-back games being at home, not only are those going to be tough challenges, but boy, how lucky are Bears fans to have both of those games back-to-back to really go and root on uh, this team because those are some 
huge pivotal games to really prove where the Bears stand, not just in the NFC, but of course with some of the better teams in the AFC conference as well. And then, of course, looking at Week 9, the Eagles, obviously that's huge for us, guys. Uh, another revenge kind of game. Obviously, we uh, want to kind of get over the double doink, and I believe that Week 9 going to Philly, that's going to be a tough atmosphere to go ahead and get it done. But it's one of those games just kind of like the Packers. You have to do it. If the Bears want to be Super Bowl contenders, you have to go out there and find a way to beat Philadelphia to prove that you are a better team compared to a season ago. So out of all four of those games, obviously for me, I love the Saints in terms of a matchup opportunity to prove yourself. Same thing with the Chargers. But the Eagles, to me, just has something a little bit extra special because I still have that sour taste in my mouth. I know the players do as well, and that's why that game is going to be, uh, I think it's going to be a very physical, physical game. And also one that's going to just be uh, just very exciting to watch all the way around. Nick, any final thoughts on the rest of this quarter? Anything else? You know, this is a tough quarter because we just talked about those three teams, Saints, Chargers, Eagles, all playoff teams. So, I mean, the Bears, if they want to be successful and want to be able to do something with this 2019 season, you have to be able to match up with some of these playoff teams and see where you kind of compare. And obviously we know the Bears were a playoff team. They're going to get that rematch against the Eagles. But this is a very important week. Obviously, we, we could say each week is important, right? But this is extremely important because these are some really good teams and you want to see how your team just fares up against them. I couldn't say it better myself. I think I almost said roughly the same thing, but good job there. Uh, moving on to the third quarter of the season, week 10, uh, the Lions at noon, week 11 at the Rams on Sunday Night Football, week 12 versus the Giants at noon, and week 13 in Detroit for Thanksgiving yet again. This feels very similar to this stretch of the season a year ago in terms of seeing the Lions twice, the Giants. The only difference is the Rams were just kind of bumped up the schedule just a little bit. But this was the Chase Daniels section of the season last year, and we were able to kind of navigate those waters rather smoothly. I'm anticipating mostly the same thing. The Bears' defense proved that they can handle even the Rams' offense last year. Obviously, things are going to be a little bit different this year. Uh, they're going to try to bring some different elements to the table. It is going to be in LA, not in the frigid Chicago weather. So things should be opened up just a little bit more. But Nick, when you're looking at these four games, what are some of those major storylines? Yeah. I mean, this, this part of the schedule is almost identical to last year because we played all three of those teams. I think um, just in a series last year within each other, it's just a little bit switching up there and obviously going away and going playing home. But that Rams game on Sunday night, now playing in LA as opposed to Chicago. We saw what the Rams offense really it didn't do much in Chicago. Now they're going to be in their home stadium. And I know a lot of Bears are going to travel there. So it's going to be, you know, a pretty good mix of Rams and Bears fans, even though it's in LA. So that's just another another game to kind of prove yourself. But again, this is the first matchup. Uh yes, first matchup with the Lions this season. They're going to be a lot better than what they were last year. I just know they are. I think Matt Patricia is going to get that team somewhat rolling. I don't really believe in Matt Stafford, but let's see what the Lions can do in this division matchup. The Bears did, you know, obviously very well against the division last year. So I want to see how that plays up because then you go into the Rams. Giants is a team that, again, they're they're kind of rebuilding. So you want to be able to see them rebound, even though Chase Daniel was starting that game. So it's, again, not the it's not the hardest part of the schedule, but there's going to be some really good uh, matchups within it. What about you, B? See, I'm kind of... Uh... I think in the opposite of Nick here, I think they, they do. Uh, the second quarter is definitely the hardest, but I think this third one's kind of the easiest with the Lions twice. I think Detroit is just going to continue 
continue to do Detroit things. <laughs> uh, and, and the Giants, you know, still have a little ways to go as far as building up. So that really leaves the uh, the Rams game on Sunday night in primetime is really the, the highlight of this quarter. And you guys already touched on the, the highlights there. You know, uh, it's in their arena this time. It's going to be a little different, you know, bumped up in the schedule, whatever. But uh, I think this is one of the easier quarters uh, that the Bears, well, I, this, is, this is the easiest quarter I think the Bears have on their schedule because we move into the fourth quarter. Uh, a lot of those teams are going to be scratching and clawing for playoff position. So I think that, you know, you don't necessarily want to coast here, but it's one that you can get away with a few more things, I guess. I look at the Giants game last year and I'm like, yeah, they might not want to try to coast. Right. Granted, again, Trubisky wasn't playing in that game. Things went a little bit differently, but just want to say don't overlook the Giants either. Actually, don't look any overlook any opponent, but if you wanted to look to the reason why, that's a perfect example. Uh, because the Giants weren't that good of a team last year, and they still found a way to beat us. It was a crazy game, but it still ended up us being on the wrong side of things. All right, moving on to the fourth and final quarter. Like Brandon said, all of these teams are going to be really pushing for a playoff spot, more likely. A week 14 at home versus the Cowboys on Thursday night. So the Bears, that'll be their third game on Thursday of the season. Week 15, going to Green Bay. That's a noon game. Week 16, a big one versus the Chiefs at Sunday night football. And then to wrap up the season, per usual, playing the Vikings. We're heading to Minnesota, and that's going to be a noon kickoff. B, uh, I th- I'm going to go over to you first. Out of these games, uh, do you have any storylines or games in particular that you're paying attention to the most? Yeah, I think Week 15 against Green Bay because the later in the season things get, you know, both teams kind of start tracking for playoff position and it's going to be really interesting because I don't know necessarily where Green Bay is necessarily at. Uh, I mean, they've got a lot of young talent uh, and experienced quarterback, obviously. Uh, so it's going to make that uh, things really interesting for a playoff push because Green Bay, I think, is going to kind of be huddling around that that bubble area and they're going to want to really win that one at home. Uh, so Chicago can't really sleep on that one. Uh, and then same thing with Minnesota. They're going to be in the same position. I think that the bears are going to, especially after they, I think anyway, that they go two and zero against the division in the first quarter of the year. Uh, if they can wrap up going two and zero against the same two teams that they beat in the first quarter, uh, I think that it really just crew like really completes the year. This is one where they really can't coast this last quarter either. Cause these, these teams, they're all really good, roughly around 500-ish last year, you know, so I, I think it's going to be a similar storyline this year where they're all going to be scratching and clawing for playoff positions, so they can't can't take these ones lightly either. Mm-hmm. Nick, how about you? Look, week 16, the Chiefs, Bears, yeah. Matt Nagy, uh, Patrick Mahomes, Mitch Trubisky, I mean, Andy Reid, all the storylines are there. People are going to be wondering, why didn't we take Mahomes? He threw 50 touchdowns, MVP. This is the game where, man, the Bears are coasting, the Chiefs are coasting, matchup. What if it's like an early Super Bowl preview? You never know. It could happen. But that's the game that I think out of, you know, maybe other than the London game, I'm looking forward to the most because I want to see how Trubisky matches up with Mahomes. I'm pretty sure they're good buddies and, you know, but they're always going to, they're forever linked because of the draft. He, Trubisky was first and then the, the Chiefs move up to go get Mahomes and Watson's also in there as well. But, this is the game where I want to see how these two quarterbacks play. I don't care about the defense. We know the Bears are going to ha- play their defense, and maybe they're not able to stop Mahomes. Maybe it's a shootout. This is where you want to see Mitch Trubisky just turn it up and just have a, a hell of a game against Mahomes. So then maybe at this point, who knows how they would have played up to this game. But that one, I cannot wait. That that might be a game we should all get tickets to. I'm just saying. 
getting way ahead of the conversation here, Nick. Number one, <laughs> we have to be. Number, I understand. Number two, uh, the good news for Trubisky. I know this that uh, the Chiefs they've been able to make some moves and their defense should be a little bit better because they weren't that good last year whatsoever. They gave up a ton of points, but when you're scoring as many as they did, it really didn't matter all too much. But Trubisky should have an easier route, and I guess this is causing uh, you know people like, well, he is going to go up against a lesser talented defense than Mahomes will against the Bears, so that's going to kind of skew things. But not really. If Mahomes is as great as you know people think he could, is and could be uh, going up against that Bears defense, if they play pan out exactly how we anticipate, I mean, he needs to learn how to beat defenses just like that, but I'm not saying he, he should. I don't want him to in this situation. But this is a game, Nick, that does feel a lot like that Rams game at this point a year ago when we saw it on the schedule late in the year as one of those benchmark type of games. And the Bears were able to, surprisingly us to us last year, live up to that benchmark. I believe the Bears have a good shot in this game due to that great defense being finding a way to shut down a very prolific offense or at least slowing them down. And then the Bears' offense – at this point, this is almost two full years into the system when you get down to Week 16. They should be in a rhythm, and if they are, this should be a really, really fun game underneath the lights. And yes, Nick, this is a game. I know it's going to be a little bit colder, but I'm willing to do it and head over to the Soldier Field to watch this game because it's going to be a good one. And then you have the Cowboys and the Packers and the Vikings and all that. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alright, uh, I did want to, again, I did uh, want to kind of answer uh, ask the same questions i do every year and i think you guys are getting used to these questions because i think you've answered each and every one throughout this but i want to make it official uh brand i'm going to go to you first obviously this is a very sound schedule with quality competition throughout but if you had to diagnose that easiest stretch are you going to go with the third quarter with the lions twice giants Rams? i am uh it's tough i guess to find an easier portion i guess you could say the first quarter because we don't know what every team has you know denver be working through some kings washington still not all that great uh, but i'll take the lions twice and that stretch is the easiest all right nick how about you do you agree because i agree yeah i'll have to backtrack on my words not saying it was the easiest or it wasn't the hardest that definitely looking at the entire schedule as a whole and breaking up into those quarters you have to go with that one and the lions i i said they'd be better but they're also um, not as daunting as the other three quarters, just having them twice in there. All right, let's uh, do the converse of that, and that's going to be the hardest stretch. You don't have to do a full quarter. You can just look at a specific number of games. I have three, week seven, eight, nine, right out of the bye. Uh, like I said, I'm grateful that the bye is right before this stretch, up to the Saints, the Chargers, and then going to Philly. To me, like I mentioned earlier, uh, that's going to be a tough stretch, and that's going to be one in the middle of the season that the Bears need to find a way to at least go 2-1 and one there. Uh, because if they go one and two uh, against some of these better teams, uh, I mean, there's still plenty of time to turn things around. Um, but that's going to be demoralizing to some degree or another. As much as you want to be as you know competitive and as tough, that's demoralizing if you go one and two against those teams. Even though they're going to be good teams, you want to believe you stack up against them. So going two and one out of that three, to me, is huge, but still a very tough task indeed. How about you, Nick? What's the toughest stretch? So it's either that week seven, eight, or uh, nine, or that week 15, 16, 17 at Packers versus Chiefs at Vikings. Mm-hmm. Like we said, those two, uh, the Packers and Vikings, they're on the road. They're most likely going to be fighting for a playoff spot, you would think. And then the Chiefs are a team that was what? a If Patrick Mahomes gets the ball first, they're probably playing in the Super Bowl as opposed to the Patriots, maybe. So that's going to be a tough stretch. So. Just to be a little different, I'll go with the, the last three games of the season. I think that's the, the toughest stretch of the schedule. All right. And B, how about you? 
Well, I wanted to be a little different too, uh, but Nick took my other answer. So now to pick a side, I'm going to say the the weeks seven, eight, nine. Uh, just those are some top quality opponents, uh, and then also with the revenge game, the Eagles there, week nine at Philadelphia. I think that's uh, really going to speak volumes to where this Bears team's at, where they stack up with teams of equal caliber. All right, and then last but not least, I do like to get your guys' opinion here on the show. Where what game we should go to? Nick, you said Chiefs, and I wanted to do that, but you got to cho- choose last year. And we all went to Miami, and that didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun, though. It was. It was a great time. We got to meet a lot of fans. Just I um, had a really good time. There were just about, I don't know, four hours out of the whole weekend that I just wish I can have back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is true. So let's not go with where I want. Oh, I can. I'll go to the game. I don't care. Bears, Chiefs. If you guys don't want to go, but <laughs> a game would. that we can all go to. I mean, honestly, I think that's the one. We haven't done a cold game together yet, so that just makes sense. Mm-hmm. I agree. I would agree with that. I would dress up for that. You would dress up, or do you mean like dress, dress warm? Warmly? Yeah, <laughs> like the bear. Not man? dress up. I was like, I was like, I know you don't like to dress nicely, so I was very confused by that. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Uh... Dress thickly, I guess, was a, a better adjective if that is one. Dress <laughs> thickly. All right. That's going to be a soundbite one day. Two uh, C's, L-Y. <laughs> uh, I do want to share just a couple of random things real quick. I do want to get to our way too early season predictions, uh, as we do every year. So just I'll let you guys have to think about that for a moment. But every- Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere. With most standard algorithm, in the order it was received, please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Every year I do kind of look at some averages of the teams, and I want to compare them to last year. Uh, the average offense against this year is six, ranked 16. Uh, last year, it was 17, so it got a little bit tougher. Uh, the average point scored against, 17. And last year, it was 17 as well, so that stays the same. And then on defense, uh, the average defense against in terms of yards is 16, which last year we went up one against the 21st on average. So the Bears' offense has a much tougher task this year overall on a week-by-week basis than it did a year ago. And then on defense as well for points allowed, it's 17th, which the 2018 schedule, the average rank was 19th. So the Bears' offense uh, is going to have a little bit of a tougher go. I believe they're up for the challenge. But the Bears' defense, uh, in terms of offenses growing up against, on average, it's about the same, which to me is a very uh, good sign indeed. So I'm expecting more of the same in terms of the results on that side of the ball. And then I just want to say only three top 10 offenses uh, are going to be played this year um, in yards, uh, four top 10 offenses and points scored. And then this year, the Bears will be going up against five top 10 defenses in yards and only four top five defenses in points allowed. All right, and before we get to our official predictions, I do want to kind of poll our audience. Actually, no, I'm going to poll our audience after because I don't want that to uh, skew your predictions uh, for the record. So, Brandon, you uh, short the, uh, drew the short straw. So what's going to be your way-too-early record prediction that matters oh so much? Uh, you know what? I'll say 11-5. and five. Uh, Mitch didn't necessarily play all that well under the lights last year, and we got a lot of games under the lights. So, I mean, I think he's going to get better, more comfortable with the system, things of that nature, so it'll work out. But I still think with a slightly tougher schedule as far as first place goes, you know, it's not really all that important. It's only two extra teams. 
uh, that finished first in their division. So I'm not putting too much stock into that, but um, I think that 11 and five sounds about right. Okay. 11 and five for Brandon subject to change as we go throughout the off season. Nick, how about you? Because obviously this is going to happen and you know, we're not factoring the draft or anything, you know, (laughs) they're definitely going, Hey, you know what? They went 12 and four, 13 and three. The bears gotten better. I think since last year, they're going to be under year two of Matt Nagy's system. Uh, even though Chuck Pagano is coming in as defensive coordinator, that doesn't mean that the Bears defense has to take a huge step back. He's got great players on that side of the ball. 13-3, and three, because this is going to be right. <laughs> we'll come back to this video in about nine months. Yeah, we, we shouldn't, actually. <laughs> or we should. You never know. I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility because – for the first time in a long time, and I think we felt this way once the season got uh, got going last year, that we can win every game or, you know, we can be in any game. Uh, we didn't know that this time last year. We thought, oh, you know, they should be all right. But this time, you're looking at schedule, they can win every single game. It just Absolutely. Depends. So that's mm-hmm. that's great, and that's an awesome feeling to have this early in the, in the year. Uh, so for me, I'm not jumping up to 13-3. and three. I'm going to say they stick at 12-4. and four. Uh, My losses, I have Packers once, Vikings once, and then for some reason, L.A. is just a headache, and they lose to both the Chargers and the Rams, but they do find a way late in the season uh, to beat the Chiefs. So for me, 12-4 and four with the losses of Packers, Vikings, Chargers, and Rams. And just to go ahead and check our poll real quick, I did ask for people's way too early predictions. 55% uh, did have the Bears at the 11 to 12 win mark. 23% came in second, which was the 13 plus. Only 2% of Bears fans think they're going to win less than nine. Or maybe those were Packers fans voting. Probably. More than likely. All right, guys. Well, that was fun to break down the schedule. Uh, So we do have some more fun ahead in the show. We're going to go ahead and discuss um, our mock drafts, which – even though the Bears don't have a pick all the way to 87 as it stands today, uh, I think we're going to have a lot of fun kind of figuring out what the Bears can do still in this draft to kind of fulfill some of those remaining needs. And again, you're using the term needs lightly in this case. But first, I do need to call a quick timeout to tell you a little bit about our show sponsor, SeatGeek. This show is sponsored by SeatGeek. The ticket industry hasn't changed in a long time. There are a bunch of big companies who have been around forever, but they don't really care about making the experience easier for the customer. But what all of us here at the Chicago Audible has enjoyed about SeatGeek over the years is just how easy to use that their app is and how they tailor the experience based off of each of our interests. Plus, they make sure that you don't miss out on any event that you want to attend, like just earlier today, I was looking at Bears tickets on SeatGeek. Uh, Nick, after the show, I will go ahead and look at the Chiefs tickets just for you. Don't worry. Uh, so, honestly, uh, there are still some pretty good deals as it stands today. So, I would make sure if there are any Bears tickets because they go away so fast when they hit the public market. And if you're like me and I was able to and it missed out, unfortunately, definitely check out SeatGeek for your Bears tickets needs. Because uh, SeatGeek, they're a ticket company where the customer comes first. With more than 50,000 five-star reviews in the App Store, SeatGeek is focused on making your experience as easy as possible. SeatGeek pulls millions of tickets from all over the web, reads each deal on a scale of 1 to 10, and displays them on the interactive seat map so it's so simple to find what you're looking for. The green dots are the good deals, and the red dots are the ones that are overpriced, so make sure you stay away from those. And the best part of all is that our listeners get $10 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just use our promo code BEARS for $10 off that first purchase. And you can use that for concert tickets, sports, comedy, whatever you want. 
Bears Chiefs games if you want to come hang out with us this season. Remember, that promo code is Bears, B-E-A-R-S, for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All righty, you're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast. I'm your host, Will DeWitt, and I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Nicholas Moriano and Brandon Hazlett. We just wrapped up our initial thoughts on the Bears' 2019 schedule. And before we get to our mock dress, that's right, I have one more thing I want to get to. I did want to just quickly discuss OTAs that did kick off this week. And I know, guys, there hasn't been really a lot or any news that have came really out of it. It's been a pretty tight ship over there in Hallis Hall. Uh, the one thing you can tell, at least through the Bears' videos, is that they're excited to, to be back with one another, and there's a real quote, unfinished business feel to that atmosphere right now inside of Hallis Hall. So with the lack of any really true news to discuss, I thought it'd just be nice to really pick your brain. Uh, just give me one thing that you hope that the team is accomplish, accomplishing uh, throughout their first organized activity of 2019. And Nick, I want you to go ahead and kick us off. Yeah, I think the one thing that I want to see them to accomplish just in these OTAs is just to continue what they had going last year in that locker room, that chemistry, that that just brotherhood that they had. That's what needs to be there in 2019. I know it will be because Matt Nagy is the head coach of this Chicago Bears football team. And that's when you see guys that are showing up because this is not stuff that they have to show up to. They just are because, look, the Bears, uh, they want to win. They want to be there for each other. I, I would feel like that the Bears, if they guys didn't show up, they'd get, you know, um, you know, smack talked about it. Like, hey, you didn't show up for OTAs. What's your what? What's the deal with that? So that they're holding each other accountable. And I think that's a big thing with this Bears locker room because they're just a tight knit group. And I just want to see that continue from 2018 Club Dub. Of course, we want to see that um, in 2019. But just to keep that camaraderie that chemistry in that locker room that's what i want to see happening right now early on when the season's just beginning how about you b yeah i want to see them like continue to do the the boring monotonous things that you're not going to see throughout the season just continue working on their fundamentals things that you can continue to build on that just become muscle memory after a while because you do those small things right eventually that'll lead to you having the bigger play once Sundays roll around in the fall. So just being able to continue to grow on the fundamentals, grow with each other. Uh, I think the Nick touched on the chemistry thing, and that's very, very important as well. But while you're there, uh, you know, work on those small fundamental things. You may not want to voluntarily do that since you're not required to be there, but that's really where it all starts is doing those small things. Absolutely. Uh, you talked about chemistry, Nick, and I'm going to second that, but specifically that defense with Chuck Pagano. That needs to get established as soon as possible. So for me this week, I hope they're really getting to know one another, feel each other out, really figure out what Chuck needs to do to ha keep that defense where it is, how we can help them take even another step forward. So for me right now throughout OTAs, it's very it's a very critical time because they can't really do you know a lot on the field. So getting used to Chuck, getting to know Chuck, him get, uh, growing and establishing relationships, uh, with everybody from the leaders of like Danny Trevath and Eddie Jackson, a Kyle Fuller uh, to some of the smaller guys like a Bilal Nichols from the top to the bottom. He needs to build um, accountability on that defense, respect on that defense for him and trust that there's not going to be a drop off after Vic Fangio, because of course, uh, anytime that you do have a change of leadership, uh, there's always that possibility of people not buying in. Uh, Matt Nagy talked about that too, that they need, he needs to find a way for players to buy into him again because he's always working on that. Uh, so for me, Chuck Pagano and that defense right now, hopefully they're buying into one another because if they can do that now and really establish that bond, it's going to really just jumpstart that transition period that we're going through. And lastly, how about the kicker battle? Let it begin now, right? 
don't make any rash decisions. Don't cut anybody. But from the moment they can, I don't know how many hours kickers are really allocated to being on the field and doing things. But if they didn't do anything else, just have them kicking balls, have 10 eyes on them, which I guess would be five people, have a video camera on them so you can watch it later, and just have the kicker battle start now because <laughs> we need to solve that. And there's no way uh, that I know that Pace is going to let uh, anything slip through the cracks here. But if I was them, each opportunity, every second you can evaluate any of these four guys that are currently on the team. That's crazy, by the way, four kickers on the team. But anytime you can evaluate one of those guys, do so, do so, and do so. All right. You guys ready for mock drafts? Let's Spoiler alert, they might have five kickers after this draft. Oh, oh. <laughs> they might. <laughs> Maybe six. Double spoiler alert. I'll get there. <laughs> I'll get there. Um, but, okay, so let's jump into our mock drafts. And, yeah, I'm kind of – beating around the bush a bit because Nick, I told you earlier this week, I was not a big fan of mine already. I was doing the fan speak on the clock simulator. I ran, I think 15 of them uh, just to kind of gauge exactly who's going to be available where. Um, and again, I know that real life is going to be a little bit different than a machine, but it does a great job of using rankings and big boards and team needs and really go- trying to make it as realistic as possible. And instead of looking at player rankings and where they may fall, where they kind of rank. Uh, so for me, that's how I went about this. I know we all three kind of went it, about it a little bit different which I love that we can bring a little bit different to the table. Um, but I credit Ryan Pace because it's going to be a very tough draft for him because there's a, lo- a couple needs and the value to me just didn't really align at some spots uh, based off the simulation. I'll talk about that as we go throughout the mock draft, but uh, it just came through my ear. Uh, it's round three, pick 87. The Chicago Bears are now on the clock, and I hear the pick is in. So, Brandon, can you tell me what the pick is? Do, 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 do. A pick 87, I have Travion Williams, the running back out of Texas A&M. I'm not sure whether or not he's actually going to be there. Uh, I was kind of reading through Twitter before this because I really didn't know who this pick was going to be. I, I know Ryan Pace is going to do best player available. Uh, and running back is a big need, and I think that the best player is going to be here at running back. But the Singletary out of Florida Atlantic, uh, he's got a lot of visits with the Bears. So I have a, you know, I've kind of wavered as, you know, the show's gone on before the show, whether or not Travion's actually the guy that they're going to take. Uh, but those players available because I mean, he's he's slippery. He gets out gets out of tackles in the open field. Uh, he's decisive. He hits the hole hard. He makes those cuts with absolutely no problem. And I hear there's a lot to rave about his character. He's a guy that would really fit well in the Chicago Bears locker room. That he just loves the game. Just a great guy to be around. I kind of compare him, I guess, to the Josh Bellamy of the team last year. He was just a guy that everyone wanted to be around. He's you know he's just that kind of guy. But one of my one of my knocks on him is that he's only five eight. So do you really want a running back room that's got three Cohen who's five six, Travion Williams at five eight, and then Mike Davis, who I don't even think he's six foot. I think he's five ten, five eleven. I mean, that's kind of a small room. So I'm not sure necessarily that this is one that I really like either. Will I know you said you're not a fan of yours. I'm not totally sure I'm a fan of this pick, but I like the player, and if he's the best player available there, then I think Ryan Pace takes him. All right. We went running back with the first pick here in Brandon's mock draft at pick. 87. And for those listening at home, uh, to kind of keep the show as consistent as possible, we didn't really allow trades or anything of that nature, even though it's more than likely that the Bears are going to be able to make some of those moves here uh, throughout the draft weekend, move up or down the board um, as Ryan Pace deems fit. But Nick, I want to go over to you for your pick. Pick 87. Who do you have the Bears selecting? Yeah, I think I have the call coming in right now. Okay, the Bears are going to select Amani Hooker, safety out of Iowa. Of course, I mean, I'm wearing my Iowa shirt, but this would be a smart move for the Bears, and there's a couple of reasons why. One, Amani Hooker, well, that's one of them. <laughs> that's obviously the first and most important one. But 
it makes sense because other than Eddie Jackson, none of these safeties for the Bears are guaranteed to be on the team after the 2019 season. Yes, they just got ha-ha Clint Dix. But after, if, let's say he has a good season. There's no way the Bears are going to be able to pay ha-ha Clint Dix and Eddie Jackson this money that they're probably looking for, especially Eddie Jackson. And then you have DeAndre Houston Carson, Deion Bush. Those guys are going to be in their last years of their deals as well. So why not get a young safety who can solidify that position opposite of Eddie Jackson, and he would be on a rookie deal? So it makes sense in that matter. And on the field, the guy can just play. He has instincts and route recognition, just able to identify when an offense is running. And this allows him to react quickly. So he's always, when I was just watching tape, he's always in positions to make plays. In addition to that, he's just physical, can set the edge when he's playing near the line of scrimmage, also has some power to, to his hits. So he can lay out some guys when they're when the opportunity presents itself, but he's still able to tackle with control. And another thing, he's just versatile. Played that linebacker slash safety role last season, so he's tasked to play in the slot against it. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Tight ends or even some slot receivers. And just like with any prospect, there's some negatives. Um, with him, he's not the fastest guy. Ran a 4.48 40-yard dash. And what that does, so if he's ever tasked with being um, the single high safety, just the range that he's able to get sideline to sideline, that's he's going to be a little bit, um, he's not going to be like an Eddie Jackson. And there's not a lot of safeties that can do that. And he's also a little tight in the hips. So against in the slot against speedy receivers, that's where I saw him have struggle, where he struggled in just covering those kind of guys. But I'm pretty sure Chuck Pagano is going to put Amani Hooker uh, just in the best positions to succeed. So he's a guy you can implement the offense day one. Obviously, it wouldn't happen because you defense. would have, sorry, defense day one. And it wouldn't happen because Hog Clan Dix will be the starter alongside Eddie Jackson. But I think it's just a smart move and one that would make a lot of sense for the future of the Spares defense. All right, all right. So we have a running back, we have a safety, and now buckle up. <laughs> Because this gets interesting. <laughs> All right, so ran this draft a few times, and something I learned is that running backs, good running backs, are going to be there in the fourth round, which, again, they're not going to be able to do this in real life. You know, hit pause, go back and see what happens, or run it multiple times. Uh, so I had a feeling after running this simulation for the 15th time, like, hey, I can probably get a good running back in the fourth round. And I'm looking at the board, looking at the board, and no other position really aligned to me in terms of, like, maybe you get a good, good receiver. Eh, I mean, not the biggest need right now. Uh, so there is a need that I was able to fulfill. And with the 87th pick, I'm going to go with Cahill Waring, tight end, San Diego State. And this is a very interesting pick because the Bears do need some more tight ends in the room because they let go of Deion Sims, thank God. Uh, they lost <laughs> Daniel Brown in free agency. And, of course, Zach Miller, which we didn't really expect him on the field, but he is now officially retired. So, Waring, he's a very high-potential tight end, and I think he's going to be someone who can contribute in Nagy's offense right out of the gate sooner rather than later. Uh, there are varying levels of his projections where he ended up being drafted. 
I've seen him trending upward lately, and I do believe he's going to have a hard time escaping the third. I did want to kind of see if he can follow the fourth. I just don't see it. There's a lot of teams that are very high on him, and the reason is, number one, massive athlete. He's 6'5", 252 pounds. He's a great inline type of tight end with strong blocking ability. He's also a guy who has some really strong qualities as a receiver, really good footwork. Um, He doesn't really have right now an expanded route tree because in San Diego State, they didn't throw the ball a lot. They didn't give him a lot of opportunities, which kind of makes him a slight kind of question mark. But when he was out there, I think we had two starts last year, but even when he was out there, he was able to just rack up the numbers and, and all the limited opportunities that he was able to go and get. Uh, he's a former basketball player, uh, shows he can really go up there and bring in those contested throws. Uh, he's really known for a strong work ethic. Uh, he did transition to football, of course, like I mentioned, only three years of organized football to his name. Um, and again, he's going to be a wide tight end in this Matt Nagy's offense. He can be a seam matchup nightmare. I really like everything about him from his size. He has a four six seven speed, a really quick burst out of the stands. Uh, he could be a versatile, high-impact player at the pro level. Go up, and like I said, you can get the balls at the high point. He had the third-best vertical out of, out of all tight ends at the, at the combine. And if you ever look him up, guys, I'm just saying he has massive arms. I mean, massive. I think I saw someone say that like, they're like uh, he had like a Greek god of arms. It was insane. Like his biceps, huge. No, Nick, not like yours. <laughs> <laughs> and so, again, if you're going to look here at the tight end room, and, again, I think they're going to look at the tight end one way or another here. Uh, if, if I'm the Bears, this guy's on my short list. It's not our most pressing of needs. But outside of Trey Burton, guys, really, who do you trust? Anybody? Like, if Trey Burton goes down for a month, what do you do at tight end? That's a little iffy. And I know that he's an inline guy, a little bit different. But on top of that, he I think wearing, he's everything that we hope that Adam Shaheen would be and more. And he's someone with the yards after the catch ability. Uh, he can turn up field and run and not fall down after, like, two to three steps. <laughs> so, for me, he's durable. I think he's a better version of what Adam Shaheen can be. So, I'm going to go ahead and go tight end with my first pick here out of San Diego State. So a little bit of a shocker here, um, but things should get a little bit more simmered down as we go through the rest of this draft, which leads us to round four, pick 126. Brandon, the calls came through. You're on the clock. Who are you going to snag up? Uh, With pick 126, I think that uh, Ryan Pace is going to treat his new defensive coordinator, Chuck Pagano, and take Derek Roberson, the defensive end out of Sam Houston State. I think this is a guy that's going to fall through the cracks a little bit because he's from a smaller school. And it's a defense-heavy draft, especially as far as uh, defensive linemen and pass rushers go. There are a lot of good quality guys in there. So I think that he can slip into the fourth because he's going to be a guy that's overlooked. I mean, 6'4", 250 uh, for his career. He had 123 tackles, 23 sacks, eight passes uh, deflected. He did have one interception and seven forced fumbles. So that stat line, uh, very productive. He's just an explosive player, has great feet, moves very fluidly. In his pro day, uh, he even worked out as a linebacker a little bit. So he can stand up and be that outside edge rusher guy that, you know, could fill that, that void behind Cleo Mack and Leonard Floyd, you know, that we don't have. You know, there's really no one quality behind them. So this is a guy that could step in and be that rotational piece that we're looking for. But of course, you know, with all these smaller guys, you know, what kind of talent did they go up against? That's always one of the knocks that you get against these guys. Another thing too, is he does have some injury uh, history in the past that could uh, get him to slip to his fourth round as well. Uh, He did have shoulder surgery and that's why he transferred out of Texas uh, his freshman year. And he also got into a when he was in college and had a big concussion. So some injury history there that could linger that might make him drop, but he's a very productive player, very explosive. 
All right, we got running back and defensive end so far on B's kind of order. Uh, going over to Nick, see so you went safety in the round three. Round four, are you going to fulfill that Bears running back void? Got to. At some point, the Bears have to draft a running back. Everyone knows they're going to do it, and I have them doing that in round four with the 126 pick, and they're going to go with Rodney Anderson, uh, running back from Oklahoma, six foot, 224 pounds. When I put on the tape, he just he has it all as a running back. The vision, able to see holds in tight spaces, especially in between the tackles, knows how to follow his blocks, power. He's being a bigger back. Um, that 224 pound six foot frame does help him to punish defenders at the end of runs, just bounces off of tackles, tough to bring down. And then you always see him fighting for those extra yards, similar to what a Jordan Howard would do when you, when he's just trying to get those extra yards, just one or two, maybe. Um, and as a blocker too, he has the right frame for it. Um, there were times where he would put his head down and maybe use his shoulder, but he can definitely grow into being a better blocker. But the one thing that I really liked about Rodney Anderson, which I was I was surprised about just watching the film, not knowing much about him was that he was a receiving threat when he was healthy. And I'll get to that later. Um, 17 receptions, 281 yards, five touchdowns in one season. And that was in 2017. There was a three game span where Anderson caught the, uh, those five touchdowns against Kansas. He had one, one touchdown and a 34 yard uh, long reception against TCU, two touchdowns, 46 yard reception was his long. And then Oklahoma state, one touchdown, a 43 yard reception was his long. And this man is running wheel routes, seems down the middle of the field, swing routes, angle routes. So I was just surprised to see that out of his game, but he does have some negatives. And the biggest thing, the, the, the biggest uh, negative about Anderson is that he has been injured. In 2015, and they've all been season-ending injuries, unfortunately. In 2015, he broke his leg. 2016, it was a freak accident in practice, and he fractured his vertebrae. And then 2018, it was his right knee. Just, uh, I think it was two games in, done for the season. That's the biggest concern. Also, elusiveness, being that bigger back, he's not going to make people miss. He's more of a one-cut kind of guy, and he doesn't have that much speed. But, I look, the injuries are concerning, but look at last, last time, Ryan Pace took a risk on a player that was injured was in this fourth round. And that was on Eddie Jackson who actually broke his leg. So there could be a possibility that Ryan Pace, he's not going to just put Anderson off his board because he was injured. He definitely very well could, if he hasn't addressed the running back position yet, pick up Anderson. I think he would be a great back in this system, not the speed that everybody wants, but you have Tariq Cohen there. You don't necessarily need it. It would be nice if that, if Anderson had it, but he doesn't. But I think if you look at everything that he brings to the table, I think he'd be a great running back for the Bears. You're right, Nick. I mean, obviously the speed, but you want every if everyone on your team can run a four two forty, you'd be in great shape. But it's just not <laughs> possible. And of course, like you said, you already have the speed in Tariq Cohen. So Rodney Anderson, interesting, interesting choice. Uh, so for me, round four pick one twenty six. I also went running back. I already kind of pre- uh, preluded that a little bit ago, saying I can find some value here, and. To my surprise, more times than not, Devin Singletary out of Florida Atlantic was available here in the fourth round. And I've seen, again, he can go anywhere from round two down to round four. I keep, I was able to draft him multiple times here in the fourth round. I'm going to go ahead and stick with him as my pick. Uh, There were other running backs at one point. I think I saw Miles Sanders fall all the way down the fourth round, which is crazy. Um, But for me, uh, my gut told me that Singletary is going to be the guy. Brandon, you already hit on it. The Bears have met with him so many times. They're doing their homework, which, again, could be a smokescreen of sorts. uh, But I think this is one that they're actually uh, doing their due diligence on this kid. 
He had over 4,000 rushing yards and six yards per carry three years at Florida Atlantic, 51 catches for nearly 400 yards. And when you watch him, the two things that stand out, elusiveness and his ability to change direction on a dime. Uh, he's a very creative runner. Uh, when you watch his film, there's a lot of plays that really make your doll drop. He's a warrior with the rock in his hands, constantly fighting through contact, bouncing off defenders, spin away from guys, use his arms to keep him at bay, drop the shoulder and run right through him as well. It's a lot of fun to watch. And when I really look at the Bears' offense, I see Nagy being able to really maximize Singletary's potential with that zone run scheme uh, because that's where Singletary's at his best because he can use his agility and his good vision to find the crease and hit the hole. And something that I really like about Singletary on top of this is his balance. He's able to keep himself upright uh, when putting together multiple moves, bouncing off different defenders. And guys, we can count on probably multiple hands uh, just how many plays that we saw someone like Jordan Howard where uh, through contact he would fall after he hits the hole you're not going to have that have be an issue here with Singletary now there is a little bit of concerns about him just like with every player uh, some of them is going to be how big of a role can he be as a receiver of the backfield he did only have six catches last year doesn't concern me uh, his first year in the system uh, three years ago he had 26 catches um, and he had a decent role as a receiver in the past I think it's just how schematically kind of got phased out um, but even if he was able to capitalize on a few routes that allowed him to kind of get the ball on the perimeter in space with his ability to break tackles and run through defenders and he's going against DBs watch out. I think that's going to be a lot of fun to watch as well. And again, there are other concerns like his size, under six foot, uh, the stature, overall top end speed may be a little bit risky. And yeah, there's always going to be risk involved. But uh, again, I know his the whole debate on Singletary is do you trust the measurables at the combine or do you trust his tape? I liked what I saw on his tape. I know our Steve Letizia was on the show last week, really talked to him up. He and I had a great discussion about him as well. And for me, um, even if the Bears, uh, decide, if they want to go this way or another direction, of course, I'm going to trust Ryan Pace's judgment. But I think they're doing uh, Singletary a lot of work on him for a reason. I think if he falls, he's going to be the guy. And he's going to bring something a little bit more different. Tariq Cohen's the guy who could run past you. Mike Davis, he's a little bit more shifty. But then you have that nasty, violent runner with a little smaller stature here in Singletary to kind of bring that little bit of a different edge to the table. So for me, Singletary's going to be the guy here. Which leads us to round five, pick 162. And Brandon, of course, you know you're on the clock. Who's going to be the pick? You know, Ryan Pace has had a lot of success hitting on these smaller school guys. You know, Adam Shaheen, Tariq Cohen, Blount Nichols definitely has that potential. Huh? I said Shaheen's a success right now? Maybe he didn't hit on him, but he's got a lot. I think he's still got some potential. Okay. I'm not not confident in him, but he's still got some potential. Regardless... I'm picking another small school guy, Jimmy Moreland. He's a cornerback out of James Madison, 5'11", 174 pounds. And again, just a very productive guy. That's something Ryan Pace looks for uh, in these smaller school guys is can they dominate at that level? And when you look at his career, he had 208 tackles, 12 for a loss, two sacks, 18 interceptions. He had three interceptions in one game uh, this past season, 63 passes defended and one forced fumble he's just really aggressive in jumping routes he knows where he's at on the field he's very aware uh he has the size to play corner uh on the outside corner or on the inside corner because he's got the speed uh to make up for that he can cover uh guys downfield in one-on-one situations with very little help he's gone up against stefan diggs early in his career uh when they when he played at james madison not stefan diggs but Moreland. Uh, so he's just, you know, a, a very sound player, tackles well in space, has very good chase down speed. And then, you know, the typical knocks, like I mentioned with Derek Roberson is, you know, 
how reliable is this talent when you're watching his tape? Because, yeah, he's dominating, uh, but you know that's not the best level talent of football out there. So just uh, you know, one of the common concerns with one of these smaller school guys, and I think that this is another one that Ryan Pace can really hit on. All right, small school guy. I think that's going to be your new nickname. No, I'm kidding. But, uh, Nick, <laughs> over to you. Round five, 162. Make a count because you don't pick again to the seventh round. Oh, man. Yes, I hope Ryan Pace is able to make this count. He has with these uh, lower draft picks. So, round five, pick 162. I have the Bears selecting Isaiah Johnson, cornerback out of Houston. Six foot two, 208 pound guy. He actually started his first two uh, seasons at Houston as a receiver, but his junior season, he switched to cornerback. And in his junior season, he started five of 12 games, two interceptions, seven pass breakups. Not bad. But it was his senior season where it's kind of getting him recognition now, especially for the NFL draft. 66 tackles, two interceptions, seven pass breakups. Those seven pass breakups were the most on the team. But here are the positive traits for Isaiah Johnson only two years into his new position. Well, one, he just has elite speed, ran a 4-4 40-yard dash, which was the fourth fastest. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm in the order it was received. Please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Among the DBs at the NFL Combine. So what this allows him to do is close fast on ball carriers and recover when he's beat, which was kind of pretty often because he's new at the position. When he recognizes the route, though, and plants that foot, he breaks on a route fast. So that's just something that if he gets the right coaching, he can definitely increase improve on that and the length these are just god-given talent you know this is not something that you can improve on but at six foot two he has long arms and can use that when he's beat to deflect passes and also gives him some good range even if he is isn't in the best position at times when receivers try to block him um, he can also use his length to his advantage to bench press them off of him fight locate the ball carrier and make the tackle and the biggest thing why i think um, he's not, uh, you know, a day, day two or day one pick or anything like that. He's got, there's so much potential for him to grow in an interview. I watched with Johnson. He said he had three different head coaches, three different coordinators and five different position coaches in four years at Houston. So there's just so much for so much for him to learn. And he has, like I said, these God given physical traits. You just need a guy like Chuck Pagano to just kind of help him out to get him to be uh, the best version of himself. So there are all the positives, negatives, though. Coverage, man, when receivers broke to the outside or did double moves, Johnson was nowhere near these guys at times. So he needs to work on his technique to be like we've talked about on this podcast before, sticky to uh, his receivers tackling. Sometimes he just takes awful angles. You're just kind of wondering, do you even want the contact, but poor form as well. Just putting his head down, losing sight of the ball carrier, disengaging off of blocks. He's sometimes being, he, he has that long frame, but sometimes when a receiver got his hands on him, that was it. He wasn't going to be a part of the play anymore. And he's a little bit handsy when receiver broke away. Like I said earlier, which happened kind of often, he would tend to grab a little bit. I think it was uh, against Texas tech. I was watching the tape and he had a bad PI in the end zone, but he was in good position. I think it's just uncomfortable when, uh, you know, the ball is coming in his direction. So there's a lot that he needs to work on, but again, give him one, maybe position coach in the next four years. And let's see how he can grow as opposed to five that he had at Houston. So he's got the talent. He's got the potential. 
just needs to get with the right team. And I think Chuck Pagano having that background with DBs can really mold him to be what he wants him to be. Yeah, sounds like a really interesting prospect there. Thank you. You got it. <laughs> All right, so for me, round five, 162. Uh, I guess people were being very nice to me in the draft because I had someone fall to me that did not expect to reach the fifth round either. That's going to be a safety. He's out of Kentucky. Mike Edwards was available for me, and I was like, yeah. Like When I saw that happen, I was like, go, 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 go. Like I had to snag him up right away because – Obviously, and you guys mentioned it, we need secondary depth. And I was, when I saw Edwards there, like I said, I was able to just instantly snatch him up. Uh, he's not going to be that center field type of safety that Jackson is, which, of course, is fine. Doesn't need to be that role, but he's a really good defender in both the zone and man with some really good ball instincts. Uh, to me, what really stands out when watching him, he has a very nasty temperament, uh, despite being a slightly smaller football player. Uh, he's always around the ball. I think he averaged around 93 tackles per year and also seven tackles for a loss per year. Uh, he fights through traffic. He's able to take down most players just by himself. Um, in Kentucky, you can see him strong against a run. He's constantly in the box. He's as an extra defender. Uh, he's all, he's tough against blockers. He has really good instincts, and he also takes some really good routes on the ball to really close in on the, some of those guys. Um, so with those instincts and, the, and that ability, uh, he's also able to recognize what offenses to do. Uh, so he has the smarts, which is another plus for me. Um, and on top of this, he played a lot of slot corner. So he's a safety with a lot of slot corner experience. Uh, so for me, that nickel experience, I believe he can be a very uh, versatile piece. Uh, of course, he needs to uh, kind of prove that, but he can also provide depth across the board. And the Bears have been very keen on on offense, bringing in players with uh, versatility who can play multiple positions. Look at Cordero Patterson. Well, maybe he can be that for the defense in a way. He can be a safety guy. He can also play in the nickel. So we talked about Clinton Dix. He's on a one-year deal. Don't know how that's going to shake out. And right now with uh, Buster Screen, we don't know how he's going to pan out either. He didn't have a great year in uh, New York uh, when he was a member of the Jets. So uh, you have Chuck Pagano. It'd be very interesting to see what he can do uh, to kind of deploy him any way that he deems fit. So for me, uh, Mike Edwards, I do believe that in real life he's probably going to be gone by round four or in the fourth round. Um, but I had him in round five. I saw he was there, so I went ahead and took a chance on him. So for me, Mike Edwards, safety out of Kentucky. I'm surprised none of us went edge, but I think the reason is so far, there's just not good value in this portion of the draft. Like, it's either you're going to be a top pick in the rounds like one, two, or you're, you shouldn't be picked to like round six or seven. It's a weird gap right now for edge guys. And it no. does help having Aaron Lynch come back. I mean, not that like, you know, bringing him back, oh, you don't draft an edge, but that does, you know, give you a little reassurance. Like, okay, we do have somebody we can trust um whether or not he's going to be healthy is the question but at least you do have somebody there i went semi-edge Derek roberson has the ability to he actually in his pro day uh, was doing some drills where he dropped back in coverage he's actually got some pretty decent hands and he ran a four five in his 40 so i was like really impressed with a defensive end that can put up that kind of speed so i think that he'd be a pretty valuable edge rusher there interesting interesting all right, guys. So again, we had to make those fifth rounds uh, count because it's a long wait to the lowly seventh round here. So round seven, pick 222. Now we're really just, you know, going on the fly here, going on a whim and hopefully uh, banking on some potential here. Brandon, you're up. Who's the pick? Well, here's my shot in the dark and uh, same with his name. It's Uguchu, Uguchuku, a.k.a. Ugo Amandi. Uh, similar to your last pick, Will Edwards, uh, he's a uh, 
a defensive back who can play multiple positions. He's only 5'9", 199 pounds. So he is suited to play nickel in, in his tape. He plays a lot of nickel, but he can also play safety. He's a very good downhill safety, very willing to play that because he's similar to Amos. Uh, he lays big hits when the opportunity is there for him, when they lay right in front of him. He's going to come downhill, lay a very big hit. Uh, so on top of being versatile and being able to play slot corner, and safety. He also has special teams experience as a returner, and he also took a punt return back. Uh, I believe it was last year, uh, so he brings some special, valuable special teams experience. Special, valuable special teams experience. All right, uh, so you know, and that's something that the Bears have kind of looked to overhaul a little bit. We've seen uh, so that could be an area where he can help, and being versatile helps him here in the draft. Granted, it's the seventh round, uh, but he's able to. Uh, be, be drafted by being able to play multiple positions but Hyde's a disadvantage for him he's not going to win these jump ball situations I wouldn't dare put him on the outside unless it's a dire situation because he's not the best in man either he's much better in zone which is better suited for the safeties and it could also potentially be for the uh, nickel guys as well but not entirely but zone's his strong suit is that it are you saying strong, zone's his strong suit Yes. Okay. Not best man. I know that's I ended fine. up kind of weird, and I don't know why. I don't know if you froze out, or I was curious. Okay. All right, so that's the end of that analysis. Moving over to Nick, uh, who is going to be your first seventh-round pick? You get two. You're lucky. Yeah, I, I think everyone gets two in this in this podcast. <laughs> I would hope right. so today. You're right. <laughs> but uh, round seven pick, 222, I have the Bears selecting Caden Smith, tight end out of Stanford, six foot five, 252 pounds. His junior season, he had 47 receptions for 635 yards and two touchdowns that helped him be a Mackey award finalist for a junior season. And so when I was just watching the tape for him, uh, some positives that I noticed soft hands um, from the film. I watched it showcased that Smith's ability to catch effectively uh, was just regardless if he was had a man on him. Or if he had the jump at the highest point, he had soft hands. You know, if you threw the ball to him, it was going to be a reception in the end. Um, also knows he had success on seam routes, just getting behind that linebacker, but staying just in front of the safety to where if the ball was placed right, uh, the Smith was going to come down with the ball. So that's what you like to see at your tight end. Uh, blocking ability too. being a six foot five guy. He's got the frame to do it. And he also, when I was watching, used good form. Good form in blocking. He's not a guy that's going to put his head down and kind of lose sight of the guy that he's blocking. And that's what you need out of your wide tight end. And he's got a little nastiness to him. I was watching some plays where it's it's going like a little bit after the whistle and he's still blocking guys. You like to see that, that pursuit, that willingness to do something like that. So I think that was another positive trait and just utilizing that body. Uh, whether he needs to box out a smaller defender like a basketball move on a curl route, he's able to do that or go up and high point the football. That's what Caden Smith is good at doing. Now the negatives. Caden Smith does not have speed. That's just not his game. He is not fast at all. Ran the second slowest 40 time for tight ends at the NFL Combine with a 4.92 40-yard dash. And this causes problems for him to, one, separate from linebackers and safeties and to really put him on any different routes. You're not going to put him much on like those seam routes uh, where you have him manned up because – he just ain't going to get there unless it's, you know, some kind of zone coverage where he's just open. And again, the route running too, he isn't the best route runner really relies on his size as opposed to running precise routes. And I put here as one of my negatives, what's the growth to him? Where can we see him grow? I, he's just not that athletic. I think it's what you see is what you get. And that is a wide tight end who can block and you can sprinkle in a couple of uh, little plays in the passing game. But at this point for the bears at tight end, they may just need somebody that is just that 
somebody that you can kind of rely on. Look, you have a Deion Sims who was god awful, just awful. And then you have Adam Shaheen. He just hasn't been consistent, hasn't been healthy. You may just need a tight end that's you know is going to be there, can do his job, and that's it. You know, Trey Burns, the main guy. You have Ben Broniker back. Maybe you just need a tight end that you can rely on. I think that um, with this pick, Caden Smith, that could be a good, a valuable one for the Bears, especially just to have someone at the tight end position. Yeah, no, I'm sorry, but I think it's kind of funny. Like, so he's not the fastest guy, so I just kind of picture Bradley Sal running a seam route. I don't know why. He okay, he's faster than Sal. <laughs> Sal's got hands though, man. We all I saw know it. it. <laughs> we all saw it. All right, so for me, I'm double dipping at the position here, uh, at least in the secondary for my last two, my next two picks, or my previous pick and now this pick would be the proper way to phrase that. I'm going to go to the cornerback, and he's not going to have to change locations because he's out of Northwestern, and it's going to be Montre Hardage. Uh, he's a player, he's a competitor. Uh, he plays with true heart and passion. Um, and again, I do like bringing in those type of players. He's very strong at the line of scrimmage. He's very good at jamming receivers, getting them off of their spot. And he has some decent footwork while sticking with receivers throughout their routes. Um, he has the ability to get his hands in the right spot to create PBUs. He's had 17 of those in the last two years. And he's also been able uh, to be one of those guys to kind of create turnover chances. Even if he's not the guy coming in with interceptions, uh, those PBUs, more times than not for the Wildcats, were able to be balls that were tipped up in the air interceptions for the defense so any guy that you can bring to the table that provides those turnover chances of course is a huge plus uh he does have some work to do in terms of his coverage again any player at this stage of the draft definitely has some work ahead of him uh one way or another Uh, but in terms of his coverage skills um he's known to be more in that cover two kind of shell uh so he needs to be able to work on his man coverage breakouts maybe a cover three so he can cover a third of the field Uh, but with chuck pagano i think that's someone who can coach him up in that regard and right now with the Bears' situation at corner he doesn't need to do it right out of the gate he can be time he can be developed and the reason why I went with him uh, as opposed to maybe another corner, um, number one, I believe he can be a good Prince of Mukamara uh, type of replacement down the road. And number two, for a seventh round corner, he's very good at tackling. He's known about his tackling and his run support. And those are some things that you really can't teach once you get to the pro level. Um, and on top of that, if he's a good tackler, he has special teams value right out of the gate, so he can contribute on the third phase, unlike some other cornerbacks that may be a little bit better in coverage, but not as good as a tackler. So he has some really strong special team value. So for me, that's why he's going to be the pick. Special teams out of the gate, really good potential down the road, and uh, we'll see exactly how he could pan out. But so for me, Montrick Hardage out of Northwestern is going to be my pick at 2-2-2. Right? Is that what it is? Yes, it is. 2-2-2. All right, guys, time to wrap this thing up. Round seven, pick 238, so just 16 spots later, right back on the board to put a bow on this very small draft class that we're going to have here in Chicago. Brandon, you're up, and I do believe I recall your spoiler alert, so I know where this is going. Or do you? Oh. Ryan Pace likes to pick guys off of winning teams, so why not pick a champion a team, a player off a championship team, an FCS championship team, more specifically the North Dakota State University Bison. I'm taking their running back in this one as well, Bruce Anderson. He's 5'11", 210. He's just a really efficient guy, and he doesn't have a whole lot of miles on him, but when you look at what he did in the championship playoffs, uh, he had 231 rushing yards on 34 carries, and he had four touchdowns. And he also rushed for 170 yards against Northern Iowa in a game earlier in the year. I think he's just... He's, he's still young, still raw. He's got a lot of miles 
uh, yet to go. And if we're looking for a guy that's going to potentially fill this long term, I think you might as well just give Bruce Anderson a shot. I mean, he's got really good vision. He runs between the tackles. Uh, he does have a uh, special teams experience as well. Uh, he does have a sprinter's background, so he is quicker. And it, like I said, he's just got a lot of potential, but he doesn't have, uh, when he was there at North Dakota State, he didn't have like a big load to carry. He had uh, against Northern Iowa, where he rushed for 170 yards. Uh, he had 23 carries in that game, and that blew every other game out of the water as far as running attempts go. He averages about 12 or so a game. It was very much running running back by committee there, trying to keep everybody fresh. So that's why I think that Bruce Anderson's really going to be a, a decent young fit. I don't know necessarily that he sticks, but he'd be someone worth bringing in just because of his, uh, you know, he's been with a winning team before, uh, and he's got a lot of raw potential that can still be worked out. Well, you fooled me because I thought you were going kicking. <laughs> How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Nick, how about you? How are you going to round out your draft? Yeah, so I know in my first mock draft, I didn't even have a specific kicker. My position was kicker. Just draft somebody. Um, This time I went with a backup offensive lineman. So with the 238th pick in the 2019 NFL draft, I had the Bears selecting Tyler Jones, offensive lineman out of North Carolina State. Six foot three, 306 pounds. Most likely he's going to have to transition. He was a left tackle there at North Carolina State. Most likely he's going to have to transition to guard to make me make an NFL roster. But look, Kyle Long may be entering uh, his first offseason healthy in the you know last three years, but there's no guarantee that he's going to hold up for the entire season. So it'd be nice for the Bears to kind of just develop a guy, um, you know, in the background there. And with, with um, Jones, some positive things that I saw just watching the limited tape that there was, you know, he's good at staying with his blocks, not going to be um, pushed off his man has good foot speed, whether or not he has to get to a specific spot in zone blocking or was asked to go to the second level. He was capable of doing that. And then the negatives um, just isn't the strongest guy. There are times where defensive ends that they had a good rush start, a good start, man. He was just backpedaling, moving backwards and losing his footing. And, he just has to hit the weight room. That's what it really is. Um, and I constantly saw him getting just knocked down. Obviously, you're not doing j- your job if you're on the ground. So you can't be doing that as an offensive lineman. And also with the blocking, I don't know um, whether or not it's just technique or how he's coming off his blocks, but the head is just down. And once that's once that happens, defense alignment can just have their way with you, uh, whether or not they shove you off or put you in one direction. Maybe that's why he's always on the ground so much. But – Tyler Jones, there's a lot to work with, and I think that just drafting an offensive lineman for for the future, you never know, um, would be a good choice for the Bears to spend their last pick of the 2019 NFL draft. All right, sounds good by me. For me, uh, again, I've been talking about I was trying to find an edge guy this whole draft, and it was very difficult. Uh, so I'm taking a chance here uh, with pick 238 at the position. I'm going to go with Malik Reed out of Nevada. And for me, uh, he's someone who I think had the highest upside who was available at least throughout my uh, multiple simulations that I was able to run on uh, 
on the clock fan speak thing. Eh, I was trying to promote it and I totally botched it. So sorry guys if you're listening to this. Just Google on the clock fan speak or it's fan speak on the clock and you'll find it. It's fun. I, like I said, I did multiple. But anyway, getting back to Malik Reed, um, what I really like about it um, is he has burst uh, as a stand-up rusher. Uh, he's very fluid with his explosiveness. He knows how to maximize his burst off the edge. Uh, he did play a few positions at Nevada throughout his time. It shows he doesn't have really the most soundest of instincts at that position and it'll benefit from consistency. Uh, which we've talked about for some of these prospects already here. Um, he doesn't have great coverage skills. He needs to work on his hand usage, uh, you know, pros and cons. Um, he doesn't have the ideal size to be a consistent tackler, but again, that's okay if they bring him in in hopes of being a situational pass rusher, rotational kind of piece. His experience of blitzing from multiple angles from different positions, so not just off the edge. So he can really move around. Uh, to, so to me, that's intriguing because, again, Chuck Pagano can really deploy him uh, all across the board. Uh, he's known for being very smart. He was all conference for his academics so for the bears to draft an intelligent plus athletically gifted player with their final pick makes sense and again i think he's someone who will be receptive to coaching and approve again maybe a special teams guy out of the bat and perhaps he can grow into become a situational rusher this year but nick you said it best earlier aaron lynch coming back does help they don't have to really reach and throughout the majority of this draft, every time I wanted to get an edge guy, I felt like I was reaching, and that's why I decided not to do it. You know, it's kind of like, what would Ryan Pace do? And I was like, he wouldn't reach. Not what, not one bit. He always goes best <laughs> player available. So just never found the value here until the final pick, and then you just kind of take a chance on the flyer. So the Malik Reed out in Nevada is going to be my guy. All right, so that's it for the seven rounds. Guys, uh, I just have one other thing I want to mention. I thought about kicker. I don't know if either is going to get drafted. So if Cole Tracy out of LSU and Matt Gay out of Utah are two guys that we've uh, heard and talked about in the past, uh, Tracy's a little bit more accurate, consistent. Um, He's one of the two players in college football history to have two games in which he's made six field goals in one single game, which is crazy. Uh, He's hit 94% of his kicks under 40 yards, um, but I heard that his leg may not even be strong enough to handle kickoff duties, which is a little worrisome. Um, and then, of course, uh, the guy out of Utah, he has a boot. Uh, he made a 62-yarder once in a spring game. Uh, so if I'm Ryan Pace and both don't get drafted, I bring them both in, and we have six kickers. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Until Robbie and gets that situation figured out with the 49ers, I'm bringing in six kickers because at this point, like you said, Nick, why the hell not? <laughs> so how do you guys feel about your mock drafts after talking them out? Better now that I've talked mine out. I had a, a lot of smaller guys, uh, small school guys, like I said. That's my new nickname. Uh, I don't know. I just feel like that's something that Pace can take a few more gambles in this draft. Mm-hmm. So I kind of feel like it's okay to do that in this one because it's a lot of just depth pieces, uh, which is nice. Uh, something we haven't really been able to say in past drafts. But I have something else, too. I was looking at uh, notes for when we were doing the combine stuff, and you were asking, you know, out of our alma mater, do you have anyone that you think the Bears would look at? And I said no because I didn't see anybody going out, but the Bears met with Shane Evans, who's an offensive lineman from Purdue. Uh, so thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Nick, you're holding steady now with the, uh, with, uh, the uh, Iowa now. I lost Jordan Howard, so now it's back to Brandon and I. We're not represented wah, anymore. Wah, wah. That's all right. James Daniels a really good pickup for the Bears, and I'm glad he's on that team for sure. You had to add that in. I mean, that's a given. You know, we're all glad James Daniels is on the team, Nick. He's a great player. He's sound. He's sturdy. Ed, you see that as I'm talking right now, that Hawkeye flag? He's also from the Iowa Hawkeyes. Just want to mention that again one last time. I heard it's a good school from some people sometimes. 
sometimes. Yeah. I, I would say that. <laughs> All right. Is that it for your final thought? Bragging about your alma mater? You know what? I will mention this one thing. I don't know. This is kind of off script, but I was given two um, Miller Lite uh, draft day tickets from a uh, good friend, Kyle, loves a podcast. And I don't know how we want to do this. Well, like we said, unscripted. Forgot I had these actually, but um, I don't know how we want to do it. Maybe if people want to go rate, and like us on iTunes or maybe even follow the Facebook page. If you look up the Chicago Audible and once we publish this podcast, kind of leave your name and maybe tag somebody there. We can enter you to win possibly two uh, tickets to go to the Miller Lite draft party. I have them here. Don't know if I'm going to go. So I might as well just say that on the podcast. So there you go. So you're saying you don't know if you're going to use the ticket. So just in case you don't. (laughs) Have people do something, and exactly. then maybe you're going to choose to give them the ticket. If people want them, they are definitely theirs. I don't think I'm going to go. I don't think I'll be available. So I would rather give these away and not have them you know, be wasted. So definitely, um, we'll we'll figure it out. Maybe this? we'll put out. Go How about ahead. this? Your email, ndmoriano at chicagoaudible.com, right? Yep. Okay, so if you're listening and you want to go to the Miller Life Miller Lite, they're not a sponsor, so I don't have to pronounce it, and I don't drink it. But anyway, <laughs> Miller Lite Draft Party. In Chicago, if Nick doesn't want to go, apparently, uh, email him and at it's uh, ND Moriano. So it's ND M O R E A N and Moriano. Just send Moriano. Is it really? Just N Moriano at chicagoaudible.com. I have to check this while we're on the show. So, I got it. I got it right here. Okay. <laughs> thank you. Yes. It's N Moriano. So no D. We dropped the no D. No D. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So N Moriano at chicagoaudible.com. Send him an email. Let him know you're interested. You don't have to do anything fancy. Uh, and Nick, you better give him a ticket if they're going to email you. Yeah, so I got two there. So definitely message me. I'll check my email the entire weekend. And after that, um, have till April 27th. That's the day of the Miller Lite draft party. Oh, that was probably our best ever giveaway kind of spiel that we ever get. They're so confused on what to do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Perfect. Brandon, can you re- reiterate what people need to do to enter this contest? Yes, uh, send an email to nmoriano at chicagoaudible.com. Did I do that right? Yep. Thank you. See, we needed Brandon oh, the whole it. time. And, <laughs> and, and tag a friend that you want to go with, so that way Nick knows, and send a picture, because why not, of your friend. I don't know why. This got <laughs> real not. weird real quick. <laughs> I'm ending the show. So, guys, that's going to do it for this episode of the Chicago Audible Podcast. I want to thank all who watched or listened live, and, of course, a thank you to the thousands of podcast listeners all across the world. This is it until the draft, unless something major happens beforehand. I don't really anticipate that being the case, though. So the next time that you're going to hear from us will be as soon as the Bears are on the clock at pick 87. Maybe sooner, maybe later. Whatever the case may be, we'll be ready, as always. But until then, bear down, Chicago. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. 
For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. 